Hey, Nate. Um, I'm looking for that invoice. Oh, I got it right here. I got the equipment and everything for you. No problem. Uh, right there. Uh, down at the bottom. Okay, let's just go through here. And so, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, what's problem? this? It's the invoice for the game hardware you wanted me to buy for the casino. Yeah, I see that. Uh, little issue here with some of the numbers. Uh, I got one. How so? What's wrong? Yeah, this is like, I don't know, like almost five times the cost of what we were initially quoted. What's what's going on here? Uh, so funny thing. Um, it only runs on certain hardware, so I kind of had to take a little bit more out of the budget. But it's okay. Don't worry about it. I mean, I'm not worrying about it, but then I'm not the one who has to explain it to Lando. Oh, God. Um, He's going to shave you bald and put a Lobot thing on your head, isn't he? <laughs> I thought we weren't going to talk about that ever again. Too late. Enjoy your stay. I suggest a new strategy. You really belong here with us, fucking club. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars in gaming. And I'd like to thank you for visiting our fabulous podcast, Among the Clouds. And I'm your administrator and host, Michael Morris, and your other host and guy who likes to uh, make fun of me and make me feel bad about myself, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. It's a gift. It's a gift. <laughs> Thought you'd like that one. That's that's harsh, though, man. I, you're you're my favorite Wookie. Wait, he's not a Wookie, dude. Dude, I need to get you a shaver for Christmas. Hey, hey, no, I just need plenty of conditioner. That's all. That's all right. This is a man who can pull off a beard. I could sort of pull off the quasi goatee I have, and anything beyond that, and I look like I just shaved with a weed whacker. But that's just me. No, I can't pull off the beard, and it, it hurts too much. Ow! Ooh! Ooh! Okay. Well, that was that was a couple minutes of the life that uh, the audience isn't going to get back. So uh, what's up? <laughs> I don't know. Look, if you really re read into that joke, that could kind of go one of two ways, and it's either like really cheesy and like dad humor, or like sort of perverse. And well, I don't know. If perverse really works. It's it's a little more mature and actually kind of funny. I'll take your word for that, that it's actually kind of funny. The Okay, well, there's there's two meanings of the word beard. I don't know if you... Yeah, know. yeah, mm -hmm. I, I got you. Okay, yeah, there you go. And now our younger listeners are turning to their parents going, Hey, Mom! <laughs> Looking for an explanation. Good job there, Michael. Yeah. Well, at least it's not like, Mom, what's a beard? And then she just like starts crying. She's like, oh, I'm a beard. Okay. <laughs> so anyhow... <laughs> <laughs> yes, now almost three minutes that they will not get back. <gasps> right, right. Uh, so there's some Star Wars gaming stuff going on. Yes, yes, there is. Uh, we're coming up, of course, uh, in the next few days with the launch of Battlefront 2, which will be uh, launched either on Friday the 17th or Tuesday the 14th, depending on whether or not you got that Elite Trooper Edition and got those uh, early 
days, um, which is more like they just took a normal Tuesday release and pushed it back to Friday for anybody who didn't give them more money. Um, and of course, we've got uh, the other big release that happened here within about the last week to two weeks, which was something we want to make sure we hit, of course, before Battlefront 2, which is Jedi Challenges, uh, the mobile-based AR, augmented reality, as it's called, type of game for Star Wars that uh, uh, thankfully we'll be able to actually talk about on the show for some first-hand experience. And turns out the challenge is figuring out what kind of uh, hardware it works on. Yeah, that was a bit of a challenge to start with. Um, but I, hardware has been my thing the last couple of weeks. Um, I bought the the Evil Within 2 on disc for PlayStation 4, and as soon as I popped that disc into my PlayStation 4 Pro, it said unrecognizable disc. So I swapped out to, to try other games, and they were unrecognizable discs also. So yes, nine months to the day after buying it, my PS4 Pro's uh, disc drive died. So I had to send it off under warranty. That's um, so it's coming back actually the day that Battlefront comes out. But thankfully, this is the time of the year where I have some extra funding coming in because I basically teach about 150% of the number that is technically the maximum um, before you have to get paid extra for those students and uh, manage to quell my anxiety by just replacing the pro and I'll just have the other one in the other room because I I can't deal with being without it for two weeks and the anxiety of whether or not I would have it in time for Battlefront. So my anxiety costs me money. Wow. Uh, but thankfully, the same thing, though, that same influx of actually for once not feeling as strapped for cash served me well when it came to Jedi challenges. Hence why that's that's kind of fitting with this topic, uh, because, yes, hardware is a thing for Jedi challenges. Um. We'll talk about exactly the, like the specifics of how it works, but short version up front is they've got on their website and uh, on the Best Buy website and, what, and whatnot, when you go look at what the specs are for the game, it says that you need to have Android OS uh, 4.1 or higher and Apple iOS 9 or higher. Now, most Apple devices now I know run on uh, 11.1, so not a big deal as far as that goes. But... They then list certain devices that are definitely supported, and then it says, you know, there will be more devices coming. Uh, just keep an eye on this list in the future. And they'd had that up for ages. I commented on it. I joked about it. I complained about it. They eventually added, like, two things to it, but just kind of let it go. And the sheer number of times I asked questions on the Facebook page, as you said, the intern must be getting tired of me. <laughs> All um, right. Uh, I just asked over and over again, you know, when will we get more listed? Will we know more devices before launch? And they never really had much of an answer other than, don't worry, more will be listed soon and weren't up until launch. So here's the deal. In order to operate, you need to have, first off, you need to have your device be one that connects in one of three ways. A micro USB plug uh, which also known as a Type-B or a micro USB Type-B plug, which is what most Android phones use right now, or a USB Type-C plug, which is thin like micro USB, except it's sort of rounded oval-esque almost, uh, like a rectangle with rounded edges, or you need a lightning connector, which is what uh, the modern uh, Apple devices use, the little, micro, uh, the little uh, uh, flat wafer-looking thing. Right. So you'll need one of those to connect, and then your phone is going to be fitted into a tray that goes into the unit that we'll talk about. But what I've found with that is 
a screen that's about 4.7 inches in di in a, a diagonal measurement. That is the size of screen of like an iPhone 6 or 7, but not an iPhone 6 Plus or 7 Plus, just the regular 6 or 7, which is sort of now the medium size, I guess, of Apple devices. Um, that is the ideal size for the screen for this. If you have something that's bigger, no problem. If you have something that is smaller, like I did an Apple uh, iPhone 5S, you are screwed. And nowhere does it make it clear that you are screwed if your phone is smaller than 4.7 inch diagonal. Um, and we'll get into why when we talk about the actual hardware. Just kind of know up front though that if you have a smaller phone, it's probably not gonna work for you. Um, in my case, what wound up happening was I was already from that influx of the extra student cash thinking, you know, maybe I want to upgrade my phone because it's not the speakers aren't very loud. So I can't really listen to audiobooks and stuff while I'm taking a shower without having to strain to hear, which is something that I do. Um, and whatnot, I was like, you know what? I'm thinking about maybe upgrading the phone. And then I tried this with the 5S and tried it with a borrowed 6, found that the 6 worked great. The 5S worked for crap and wound up getting a seven. So yes, my bill for this wound up going from a $200 game pa uh, purchase to once you include shipping and taxes for the iPhone seven through my carrier, um, basically 900 total. Um, so this better be a damn good game. Um, but thankfully I can use the phone for other things. So where do you wanna go to? Do you wanna go to the software first and what the game itself is like? Do you wanna go to the hardware that you're actually purchasing in the box and what it is? Where do you want to go with this? Where's your curiosity most focused? Um, I want to. I want to know how to become a Jedi. You know how to become a Jedi. Um, well, what you do is you go to Lucas and you beg and beg and beg for years, and then he makes you a bald Jedi with a purple lightsaber in one of the. Oh, wait, no, no, he's not in charge anymore. I don't think you could do that anymore. Yeah, um, I, I heard. I heard that if you are in a very popular boy band such as NSYNC, then that'll work too. Yes, but then they'll cut out your scene at the very end. I mean, it was just bye, bye, bye all over the place. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been waiting since 2002 to use that one. <laughs> so anyhow, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just go, um, I, I don't know, just, just, like I said, you're, you're kind of in control of this ship, so you, you take it. Yes! All right, so let's I'll tell you what, hardware first, okay? So what you're buying is the hardware. The $200 is to buy this very fancy schmancy box with all the different items that you need physically to play the game. The actual software is free. Hey, go on the App Store, download the software for free. Go on the Android uh, Google Play Store, download the software for free. You won't be able to use it because the third step of setup is to pair it with your lightsaber controller, and if you don't have one, you go nowhere in the program, but technically you can download them. I downloaded the program on my iPad just to see if it would work. I did, and I could technically, I guess, hook it up to the controller. It just won't play well because I can't fit an iPad inside the headset. <laughs> um, but it's not the software that you're buying here, okay? The software is just download and go, which is what a lot of these um, VR and AR type of games are tending to do now. You buy the hardware, you download the free app that works with the hardware, and that's it. You get, basically when you open up the box, and if you wanna see some unboxings of this and some video of me playing that shows me and some video of me playing that shows what you actually see in the game, uh, cause iOS 11 actually lets you do some recording of your screen. Um, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash chrono radio has that stuff on it. But you open up the box 
And the first thing you see is the lightsaber controller, which is beautiful. Um, you're familiar with the uh, Force FX lightsabers, the the ones that have the light up blade and everything, but they're basically like a replica. Yeah, I actually have uh, a few of those. That's what I was going to ask you about. Is it, it looks pretty much exactly like that same quality. Yeah, it's really, really close to the same one. That's actually the one that I've got is the Anakin slash Luke slash Ray one. Um, and it looks very similar to the controller. There's a few minor differences. But yeah, it's a really well-crafted lightsaber hilt. It's not just it's a tube or it's a cylinder that you're supposed to pretend is a lightsaber. It looks really nice. Um, what it is is it's a controller with, you know, like gyroscopic controls and stuff inside it, motion control type things inside it so it can sense orientation and all. It's got a power button on the bottom along with a USB charging port at the bottom. And then uh, the activation button, the little kind of rectangular box that sticks out of it, you tap that. That is your main button for controlling your lightsaber. Uh, And then on the regular model, like on the replicas, if you look sort of – on the reverse side, there's this little spot where it's almost like a little bubble-looking button, like a circular kind of puffed-up kind of button-looking thing. But on the replicas, it doesn't do anything. Here, that is your centering button. It basically centers your lightsaber blade if it gets off-kilter. And then the end of it has about a two-inch little extension that's the same kind of white, squishy plastic that you would get in the balls at the end of a PlayStation Move motion controller. And it's shaped like the very beginnings of a lightsaber blade that's starting to come out. And that will change color so that it can be tracked by the system. So the lightsaber controller is actually really cool. I mean, it feels like you're wielding a regular lightsaber hilt because it is exactly designed after the one that we see in the films. I mean, it's very well done. So no surprise, it's the first thing you see when you open the box. Um, You'll then lift up that part that's got the lightsaber in it, and then you're into the rest of everything else pretty much. Um, You have the headset, and you have the tracking beacon and a little box full of extras. The extras are like batteries for the tracking beacon, little uh, three different little wire controllers that are micro USB on one end to plug into the headset, and then either lightning or micro USB uh, B or uh, USB C on the other side of it so that you can plug in whatever type of phone you need to plug into the headset, uh, regardless of what kind of connector it has. And the tracking beacon is basically this little battery-powered thing. It's a little plastic base with a ball that looks like, again, kind of like the ball on, the, on a PlayStation Move motion controller, a little bit bigger, that can either be lit up um, pinkish or bluish, um, depending on how you, which direction you flick the, uh, the power button when you turn it from off. And that's what the system is going to use to track your relative location to sort of the center of the play area. You turn it on, you sit it on the floor. It's not connected to the unit at all. It's just that's what the unit is looking for. So pop in a couple AA batteries, you're good to go. The headset is where presumably most of the cost is coming in here, though the lightsaber, imagine the lightsaber itself is probably a good chunk of the the price. Right. Um, So this is an AR headset, so augmented reality, not virtual reality. So virtual reality, VR, is supposed to block your view of your surroundings and immerse you in this alternate reality of whatever the game is producing for you. So like if you're playing the Battlefront game and it's the X-Wing VR scenario, it's like you're really in the cockpit because that's all you see. And AR is different. AR is you still see your surroundings. But when you're seeing your surroundings, it's overlaying whatever's in the game onto your surroundings as if they're in your surroundings. So it's like, Uh, Kylo Ren is in my dining room. 
yeah, basically, or, or, oh my gosh, battle droids are marching their way towards my toilet. Kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, I hate when that happens. I know. I hate that. It's, it's, you got to call the plumbers and everything. Um, so you've got the headset and it looks kind of like a VR headset in that you got just this big thing that's kind of in front of your eyes. Think of the top of the unit, um, the above eye line being kind of very flat. It's only about an inch or maybe two inches at most tall. And it comes out kind of from your forehead, almost like the bill of a baseball cap if you haven't bent it and you're wearing it the right way instead of backwards, sideways, whatever. Um, that is the part that's going to actually have your menu button, uh, confirm button, and cancel button to the right-hand side of the headset um, up and kind of at forehead level. And then that's also where the tray is going to go that holds your phone. Directly beneath that, you have about a two-inch or a little bit more area that opens up, and that's your little viewing window. It comes down basically to your cheekbone level. Um, and that area is basically clear. It's different clear panes of plastic that are angled in such a way that it'll be able to take the image from your phone, reflect it so that it shows up in front of you. And since you can see your surroundings through it, it's just clear plastic, uh, whatever is projected on it is going to look like it's in your surroundings. Uh, again, more on that in a second. Um, there's padding right at about your eyebrow level and there's padding right at about your cheekbone level with a space in between it for the bridge of your nose. So it's resting against your face and then it's got a strap on the top and on either side that all come together to a part in the back that then tightens it up. But it's not like a PlayStation VR where most of the weight is on the back of your head and it's very comfortable. This puts the weight basically on the front of your face. Um, it's not super uncomfortable, but, but depending on how tight you have it, it can get uncomfortable, um, within a shorter gameplay session than say a PlayStation VR would. Um, but it's a, just a nice, you know, solid feeling headset that you can see your surroundings through no peripheral vision because it's filled in on the sides, but directly in front of you, that entire viewing window is easy to see through. And it's set up to be large enough that for most prescription eyeglasses, you can wear the glasses and wear the headset just fine. Like the little groove area that opens up the viewing window part is big enough that it can go around your glasses just fine, which was an issue that I was concerned about, but worked perfectly. Um, the way you put the phone in, this is where the issues start to arise. So the tray itself is, I measured it, it's a little under, and I measured it, but not very precisely. Um, it's a little under three and a half inches wide and a little bit under seven inches long. And it's basically this black tray that you open up from the back or from the top and slide your, your phone in face down. And it's got a little bumper on the far end that goes by the top of your phone um, that you can either fold in or fold out to make room for longer phones. And then once the phone is in it, you close the top back down and there are little sliders, little silver sliders on the side and on the bottom that you then push forward so they push into your phone and make it just kind of snugly pressed up against one of the corners of the, uh, of the tray. Um, then you flip it upside down and you can see on the bottom that there's basically a little viewing window cut out of the bottom of this thing. And the viewing window is designed for basically uh, what we'll be able to see Ideally, so if I've got a 4.7 inch screen, which is what the iPhone 7 has, I stick that in there 
and I squish it down with the little things to make sure it's nice and securely in that particular corner, then it's going to note that my phone is an iPhone 7. If it's one of the ones on their list of compatible devices, most of them are natively supported, so it knows which kind of phone it is uh, based on the app. And what will happen is it gives you a viewing window that is the full width of that screen if it's turned sideways, right? But not the full height. It's more of like a theatrical widescreen aspect ratio rather than a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. So, But instead of having like the little black bars on top and bottom like you would see on playing a movie on a TV screen, instead the whole picture is sort of up against the edge and all the black is on the other side by itself. And when you actually put it in there, the black part is covered by the plastic and the part that shows through the window is just the part that has been set aside for the image. Um, that sort of widescreen looking thing. And it splits down the middle and the left-hand side projects an image. The right-hand side has an image. They're slightly different images based on your eye position. So it gives you a stereoscopic 3D effect when you're actually playing. So it feels like there's a distance between you and the enemy. Um, you take it, you slide it into the unit face down. You plug in the lightning or whatever it is, plug into the, the bottom of the phone, plug that into the same port on the headset that would be used for charging it close it, put on the headset, and you can play. And the images are basically showing up on your screen that's facing towards the floor, but they're bright images with a black background. So as it's reflected off those different clear plastic screens, it shows up in front of you on the front viewing pane as if it's a slightly transparent character or whatever showing up in front of you in the world. And you still see all your surroundings, but it's a little dim because of that black background. And the premise of the game is it's all done through a holocron. So the idea that they'll all be a little see-through makes perfect sense because they're all hologram projections, right? <laughs> um, and it works really well as far as that goes to actually project something into the, uh, the, uh, the environment. And it's able to track your positions based on two little cameras that are just to the bottom left and bottom right of the viewing window on the front that are going to capture the... Uh, the glowing end of the lightsaber controller and the glowing tracking beacon to keep track of where the lightsaber is and where you are for all of it. Um, the downside, though, here's why there's an issue if you have a smaller phone. If you have a bigger phone, not a big deal because all that it does is it figures out what kind of phone you have uh, or you can manually set it if it's not one of the, the natively supported devices. And it just shrinks down the size of, the, of where it's going to play the video into a size that is exactly the right size for the window that's cut in the bottom of the tray. No big deal at all. Um, if it's exactly the right size, like an iPhone 7, it doesn't have to do even that. It just has the black on the one part, shows the rest of it, and you're good to go. But if your phone is too small, like an iPhone 5S, you stick it in there, tighten it up, and when you actually look at the bottom and you look at the window, yes, you've got the right width of the image, and the entire screen is showing through the gap, but the gap is so big that you also have like the bottom of your phone, like on an iPhone where the home button is, still showing through that window. Because and it's not and your screen, because of that, your screen is not centered within that window. It's a little down towards one end because the other side where it's expecting there to be more screen is where your home button is showing. So if you put that in and put the headset on, you're always going to have like your home button sort of reflected and showing up towards the left side of your vision, marring your ability to see much on that side. And because it's not centered, the targeting reticle that's supposed to be at the center of your vision is going to be a little bit off to the right and always be screwing you up. And when you turn on your lightsaber controller, 
it's going to think that it's a little bit to the right. So you'll see the lightsaber in your hand with this little glowing end. But the blade, instead of looking like it's coming out of the end of your saber, looks like it's coming out of just thin air about two inches to its right. Um, so if you have a smaller phone, it's not going to work well. It's going to look pretty stupid and not play the way that it should. You definitely need 4.7 inch screen or bigger. Now, I have um, a question with that. Um, yeah. So the, the a, a lot of that basically has to do with uh, fitting into the headset, right? Right. Okay. Is the headset just the um, essentially like like an encasing that, that that is on the phone, or does that have any sort of uh, electronics to it, or uh, connection to the the actual lightsaber you hold, or anything like that? So the unit, the headset itself doesn't connect by a signal or anything like that to the lightsaber or to the tracking beacon. I've had the tracking beacon doesn't doesn't have a signal to connect to anything at all. Um, the lightsaber connection has a Bluetooth lightsaber con uh, controller has a Bluetooth connection, but that connects to your phone. And all your movement of your head left and right and up and down is tracked by the gyroscope in your phone. Mm -hmm. And if you want to use headphones, it's plugged in through your phone since they want it to be as compatible with as many things as possible. So what the headset is, is it's the it's a place to put the phone and have the reflection to show it in front of you. It does have the USB connection to allow the menu confirm and cancel buttons to work um, by connecting into the phone. And it is pumping to the phone the uh, the results of what the cameras in the front of the, the headset are seeing as far as the position of the tracking beaker and the lightsaber controller. So there is electronics in it, mm -hmm. but it's a very small very limited amount of electronics that's actually in the headset versus all the processing and stuff that the that the phone is doing. Your phone is basically, I think of it kind of like um, if your phone is your PlayStation 4, then the headset is your, um, not even your PlayStation VR, your headset is like, like your PlayStation camera and your PlayStation Move controllers. They plug into it and run off its power. They've got some electronics in them themselves, but nothing, you know, amazing or super complicated. Okay, and so the reason why I asked is because someone who you know may be interested in this but may have uh, a phone that does not work um, is that I know there are third party uh, like headset devices, um, and so maybe there might be one that uh, works. In fact, I want to say it was like the uh, the Jacku Spy or whatever, mm. um, where they had. Um, you could basically play a, a game very similar. It was an AR game, uh, very similar, and you could just buy third-party um, devices. In fact, I think you could actually even get like cardboard ones mm -hmm. that you would stick your phone in, and um, you you could play it that way. So I'm wondering if um, if someone wanted to do that, and rather than you know having to update their phone, they could just buy one of these uh, third-party devices and, mm. and they run like 10 to 20 bucks just depending it's, it would depend it would depend on how it's handling the input from those cameras mm -hmm. and you would have to have you would have to have a an ar headset that is using a down facing phone mm -hmm. um so that so that it's not like showing up upside down for you or anything like that because you can't change the orient once you're in the game you can't change the orientation of the way the game is facing it is facing the way that it needs to face so that the end of your phone is pointing out of the tray. 
Okay. Because that's where the plug has to go in. So you can't like flip it upside down and change the orientation. Um, but I don't know. It depends on how the cameras are working. You're still going to have to buy the Jedi Challenges package because you're going to have to have the lightsaber controller. You're going to have to have the tracking beacon. Um, I don't know if you could do that with a headset. It would have to be a headset that is remarkably similar to this one. My thought would be if you really want to try this and you don't want to, to update your phone – the best thing I would suggest is basically jury rig your tray. Right. Because the whole problem is that it's being pushed sort of into the corner so that the whole screen is showing and there's a lot of empty space for the home button to show up on the edge. If you could jury rig it and like pack the end of it with enough styrofoam or something that the phone stops just right for the center of your screen to be in the center of that window. Mm-hmm. You'd still have a little bit of the edge of the phone showing on left and right, which will cut off some of your vision left and right and be a little distracting. But at least the lineup of the lightsaber and the targeting reticle would work. Um, but you would have to do something to to modify the tray itself. It's not going to be able to handle that type of phone well um, by itself. And um, I would note, and I think I mentioned this a second ago, but if it's not a natively supported phone, you are going to have to go through different options of choosing which type of phone orientation for that for the uh, viewing window fits your phone best. Um, but I find that it was a pretty easy thing to figure out. So don't get discouraged if it's if it's a matter of just my phone's not on the list, but I think it's the right size. Don't get discouraged. I don't think that's going to be a problem. But if it's a matter of my phone is too small, um, then that's where you're going to have to either jury rig it, use a bigger thing or just get used to the idea that you're a special Jedi Knight and you have the ability to project your lightsaber through like a wormhole and it actually appears a couple inches away through wormhole magic or something. All right. Okay. Uh, any other issues, questions about the the physical stuff? Because, I mean, the physical stuff is cool and all, and it's what you're paying for, but if the game sucks, then... There's no point. Yeah, so so I do have one more question that I at least okay. that I can think of right now. How is um, power uh, for it? For instance, does this take um, batteries or is it uh, charged USB or both? Uh, okay. The headset charges with a USB and it comes with a charging cable, so no big deal there. Um, it's just a micro USB Type B. Thing, not a big deal. Um, you could use a phone charger if you wanted to. Um, but it charges up, and then the lightsaber uses the same kind of charge, so you have to charge the lightsaber controller up. The tracking beacon itself, um, since it doesn't have any electronic connection or anything, it's just lighting up the ball. It's just two AA batteries, and they include two AA batteries to start with. Okay. So, you know, kind of what you got is is good to play. And it's set up in such a way, like when they packed it, at least for mine that it was already a little bit charged so you could go ahead and set it up and try it out, kind of like the way that new phones usually come with enough charge to run through setup before you got to plug it in. Right. So you can take it out of the box and immediately start messing around with it if you downloaded the app already. Okay. Very cool. So, yeah, that's no, let's, let's talk about gameplay. Okay. Gameplay is odd. Um, <laughs> first off, it is it is single player. It is not multiplayer. But if you look at the Jedi challenges, frequently asked questions, they do point out that the fact that you can change the tracking beacon to two different colors is because one of the colors is meant for multiplayer, except there's no multiplayer stuff in the game. And at one point they said there may be more games added to Jedi challenges in the future. And then other documentation says when it asks what other games can I play? It's this is a self-contained game of only three modes, you know, so 
they're kind of conflicting with themselves on whether there's going to be more. Okay. Um, but the base game that you play with your tracking beacon set to the the it's like the pinkish side, um, and your lightsaber lit up blue is three different modes across six different planets. The concept is that you've activated a holocron. And in the holocron, there's this character called the Archivist, who is, she's kind of like a cross between what you'd expect as one of the prophet sister ladies uh, in the Yoda arc of season six of Clone Wars. Um, one of those characters meets Revan from Knights of the Old Republic meets Spider-Gwen from Marvel Comics. It's really kind of a weirdly designed character. She's That's... wearing a mask, a Spider-Man mask, basically. Okay. Um, but she's supposed to be training you in Jedi arts at some point after Starkiller Base and all that so that all this can be looked at historically through the holocron. And she opens up this menu for you that has six different planets. It's Naboo, Garel. Lothal, Hoth, Takodana, and then another one that's actually not a planet, it's the core, um, as sort of the, like the highest possible destination level. And when you go to any of these planets, as soon as you go in, you get a menu, again, of three different options. And one is strategic combat, which is basically your RTS, real-time strategy type of concept. Then you've got your lightsaber battle. And then you've got what it calls hollow chess, which, of course, we all know is Dejaric, right? Right. Yes. Um, and all three of those menus, menu options are available from the get-go. And then you choose your mode. And once you go into that mode for that location, you again have three different options. And basically, you have to progress through them in order. So, like, Naboo, lightsaber battle, one, two, three. Then Garel, lightsaber battle, one, two, three, and so on. Um but basically, there's sort of a beginner, medium, and then the one you're really looking forward to type of mode for each one. So lightsaber battle is the one that most people think of when they think of this game. So like if I'm on Naboo, I jump into the lightsaber battle, it's going to have me pull out the lightsaber once I'm in the mode and click the activation button, which is the boxy kind of button uh, down near the center of it, and my lightsaber blade emerges, right? And it's lined up. In theory, unless your phone is too small, it's lined up with the little glowing end of the lightsaber controller as the cameras are tracking it. And the first mode is battle droids. And there's these battle droids that are sort of working their way towards you from what's theoretically across the room. But because of the way that they handle the distances, it feels kind of like they're walking from across the room but sort of floating above the floor. It's I guess it's sort of made for a bigger space or for me to step further away from the tracking beacon than I usually do. Um, but they're walking towards you and they're firing on you. And the idea is that their, their blaster will glow red right before they shoot. They fire, you can deflect the blaster bolt, sometimes luckily getting back to them, sometimes just deflecting it away. And when they get close enough to you, they're getting brighter as they step closer. Once they're close enough, you can then just slash the battle droid and cut it down. And it's actually done in a, a way that it's, it's like different segments of the droid. It's like you can cut its head off cut its arms off, cut its legs off, cut it down the middle. If you cut its head off at just the right time, it's still going to be able to shoot another shot at you kind of thing. Um, and you have super battle droids that'll come out and they can fire multiple shots at once so it's harder to block. Uh, and so you go through you know, that one, you go through one that's a little more complicated with more battle droids and so forth for the second one. And then the third one for each location is a one-on-one -on -one duel. And for Naboo, it's Maul. For Garel, it's a seventh sister. For Lothal, it's the Grand Inquisitor. For Takodana, it's Kylo Ren. I'm assuming for Hoth, it's Vader. Not sure about the core because I haven't got there yet. Um, 
But the idea is that this life-size type of AR villain, who's animated very well, um, is fighting you and moving forward and back from you. It's not just a steady progression towards you. It's forward, back, side to side. Maul does his little weird, like, quasi-cartwheel kind of thing. Um, and they're trying to slice you up with their lightsaber. And you, in using the Force, air quotes, can sense where the blows are coming. So if Maul or whoever is about to slash at you towards your left-hand side, you'll very briefly see a faint yellow line that represents a saber on your left-hand side, and you can quickly move your saber into place and block that hit. Now, you can just go ahead and slash them at any time when they're close enough and do a little bit of damage, but if you block blows sequentially without missing any, it'll basically stagger your opponent and then you hit them, because there's like this glowing orb that appears. You hit them, and once you've hit them, once the orb has appeared, it basically gives you two or three strong hits that you can do if you slash in the right way. And it shows you the path you need to slash, like up to the left, across the chest, down, whatever. Um, and basically you try to just beat them before they beat you in that case. Uh, Maul is pretty easy. And then the seventh sister, the first time I played the seventh sister, she kicked my butt. Mm, that's kind of really interesting expecting. considering there's, there's a difficulty spike. She's not really tough, but there's a heck of a difficulty spike between Maul and Seventh Sister. It's weird though, um, considering Maul killed the Seventh Sister. Well, see, because it's it's the the tech, the the hardware they've got basically. So Seventh Sister, when she's finding you, is able to release a bunch of those little droids that she has with her, mm -hmm. and it gives you little brief instances of letting you know where they're about to shoot, and you need to move quickly and block every shot from them. And then she's got the spinny lightsaber. So instead of just slashing at you, she can do the zzz, 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 like like saw blade kind of spinning. Right. And instead of just doing that in one place, she'll rotate her wrist as she's doing it at you. And if you don't match the rotation and not it, like if you're blocking it, but you don't match the rotation, she will rotate it out of the block and still hurt you. Okay. You got to be real careful to match it. So um, I can't wait for instance to be able to play against Kylo Ren or someone like that because it seems like they're really. They thought through the lightsaber combat aspects of how do you do this when you can control the lightsaber, move around a little bit, but we don't want it to be completely without being able to tell what you're supposed to do, you know, with a little force-sensitive stuff. Some would say, oh, it's cheating telling you where they're going to hit, but that's almost any game that's ever tried to have a lightsaber combat thing built into it. Gotcha. Um, feels good. Um, obviously, you're swinging around the hilt, and there's no weight to the blade, but in theory, a lightsaber wouldn't have much weight to the blade anyway because it's energy, supposedly. Um, the characters look cool. They look, um, I don't want to say lifelike, but they look like they should look like seven sister looks like they should, like she should look. Um, and after playing for a few seconds, you start to kind of forget what your surroundings are anyway, even if it looks like they're all like floating a couple feet off the floor, depending on how tall you are, where you're standing, where the tracking beacon is, doesn't really matter. Cause it's all darkened a little bit anyway. And you're just worried about not getting your butt kicked. So uh, lightsaber battle, definitely a highlight and for lightsaber battle, unlike the other modes, there are three different difficulty levels, too. So you can have a more complex mall fight, a more complex seven sister fight. And in fact, for the core, the last of the levels, there isn't a beginner level for the lightsaber battle. It's just medium and tough, essentially. Um, so that's going to be the mode that probably draws more people to it, but it's not the only one. Um, was it... Sound fun? Sound good? Sound like, like, What do you think in particular of the idea that they're going to tell you kind of where to block before you block kind of stuff. Like, is that too much? Mm, I mean, I don't know. It's it's one where I would have to actually play it myself to determine. 
because uh, I mean that that's pretty typical. Reminds me of like the um, uh, God of War slash uh, Force Unleashed style games, like you know. The, the what you call it, like the the quick time event kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, kind of. I mean, but at the same time, it's like, well, what are they gonna do? Just like to start throwing slashes, and then you just have to just know what they're gonna. I don't know. I mean, it's. Yeah, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I think you could probably go both ways with it, uh, but you could, you know, you would have to actually play in order to determine. Okay, yes, this is what makes sense, or um, no, that's just too ridiculous. Yeah, because it feels to me. I mean, I part of me says I could handle it without it, and then I realize no, I really couldn't. <laughs> you know, like the, as the fights get more complex reading your opponent is something that people train to do for years. I'm not sure that I'd be able to necessarily do it. But at the same time, when I first saw it, playing against Maul on the easiest level was very easy. And I'm like, this is like Tony Stark put a training wheels program on here. What the heck? Um, But then I fought Seventh Sister and she tore me up the first time. I beat her the rest of the time, but she tore me up the first time. Um, So yeah, so any, any... Thoughts on uh, lightsaber duel? Any questions? Anything you think the audience would want to know that I haven't mentioned? Because I'm kind of giving a presentation almost here, but I have, you know, bad part about presentations is you don't have questions necessarily. Yeah. Um, I don't know what people want to know. I mean, you know, I I don't know of anything else to ask, uh, to, to be honest. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that means did a good job. Um, oh, you do need to recenter your blade every once in a while, though, because it will start to get a little off kilter. Okay. Um, and that's just a matter of you're moving around a lot mm-hmm. while you're playing that mode. So and that's as simple as pressing that other button that's on the lightsaber. No big deal. Um, all right. So, oh, that's the other thing. You can progress. There's progression, not just from level to level, but as you play the lightsaber battles, you unlock different force abilities. So, like, um, I've got the first two from defeating uh, Maul and the, se- and the Seventh Sister. So you defeat Maul, you get the Force push. And what will happen is as you play and do well, like blocking bolts or taking out enemies or whatever, you're building up so-called focus. And when it's full, you can do a Force push, which basically is against regular enemies, you press the activation button and it just knocks them all down and defeats them all immediately. It's like a group kill, clear the screen kind of thing. Okay. Uh, but against a lightsaber duel opponent... Uh, if they're in the middle of doing a series of attacks on you and you press it, it basically immediately staggers them. Like it pushes them back. And then you've got, you can have one of those active force abilities equipped at a time. And it looks like there's a total of three to have unlocked, um, which is not very many. But then there's passive abilities. And what I get got for finishing uh, finishing off Seventh Sister is called Resilience. And it's basically, if you stagger an opponent, it also uh, increases your health a little bit. Not that you can really tell, but it increases your health a little bit, and uh, that's a passive ability, and there's a ton of passive abilities that you can get, and you can have two of those equipped at any given time. So there's a progression system as far as abilities, too. I mean, it's not very deep, but it's there. Okay. Coo, coo, coo. All right. Two other modes to go. Uh, What do you want to go to first? you want to go to Holochess slash Dejaric, or do you want to go to Strategic Combat, which is like the RTS thing? Mm, uh, let's. I feel like um, let's just knock out the uh, hollow chest real quick. All right. Yeah, and you you got it right. It's probably the simplest. <laughs> um, so hollow chest is basically what it looks like. Um, the 
tracking beacons on the floor in front of you. Never do you put it on a desk or anything, which was a misconception on my part. It's always on the floor. Tracking beacons in front of you on the floor, and it projects a table that looks like it's about three feet tall, two to three feet tall, and it's a Jajaric table. And it'll create the little holographic creatures on it. And what you're doing is each creature has sort of its own amount of spaces it can move, its own attack amount, and you're moving it sort of from the outside towards the inside and all around as you're trying to get next to enemy characters. And once you're next to an enemy character and facing the character, um, which I learned the hard way, facing the opposite direction, <laughs> um, and facing the character, you can attack that creature. And some of the creatures have like like automatic abilities, like the Kintan Strider uh, between turns will heal two, he two HP um, per round kind of thing. Um, but it's basically what you would expect it to be. You move the pieces around, you get it next to the enemy, you kill them, you try to kill all of them before they kill you. Now, all the modes do have three different goals to meet, um, three different uh, victory requirement type things to meet for different levels of victory, um, even the lightsaber duels do. So in this case, it might be like uh, win with two creatures left or win without losing a creature or something like that. So there's reasons to replay to try to hit those other goals but it's pretty much what it looks like i mean it's just you go in you play and you start out with a limited number of creatures that you can use and then as you win more of the scenarios you get uh, more creatures and i say scenarios because you're, you're not playing against another human being right you're playing against the system and each level is a different scenario so think of this kind of it's less like a regular game of chess against somebody and more like when you pick up a book about chess and it says, here's where the pieces all are. Now, checkmate in three moves. And you have to figure out how to do it effectively. Mm -hmm. So they actually call it, uh, I think it's called the trial of insight in the game itself, where you basically are looking at the situation that it presents itself and trying to figure out how you defeat your opponent based on the conditions that it's given you. So it's a little more in-depth and a little more... Uh, uh, critical thinking than it would necessarily feel like at first glance, but it is basically hollow chess the way that you would expect. Um, only thing that was unexpected for me is just that one, I didn't realize I wasn't going to be able to sit this on a table that it was still going to be on the floor projecting. Um, but also I wasn't quite sure how you'd be moving your characters around and you do still use the lightsaber. Basically you look with the targeting reticle that's in the center of your view and point to us to a creature or a space um, and you just click the activation button on the lightsaber, and that's your your confirm button, basically, and that's how you choose what to move. Okay. Basically. So fun, but it's probably my least favorite of the three modes, really. Right. Right. That makes sense. You're, you know, you're not one for subtlety or thinking games. Hey. Hey, hey, I've been reading one of those, was it Bobby Fisher, whoever had that chess book. I've been reading that to try to get better at, you know, chess stuff. And then I, you know, stopped in the middle of it and tried to read Lord of the Rings. And now I'm stuck walking in the freaking woods for another few hundred pages. Um, but yes, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, off topic. Uh, anything else about hollow chess? I mean, it really kind of is what it is. It sort of feels like to me. No, I think yeah, I don't. I don't think there's really much more to say about it. Cool, doesn't like it, exciting that you can actually play. Doesn't it sound kind of like Imperial Assault or um, like like a smaller version, like an Imperial Assault or a Legion? Because like I got my my immediate feeling was oh, they all have like different amounts of of 
moves they can make or, or spaces they can move per turn and different health and different abilities. That, to me, screamed like miniatures game kind of stuff. Mm, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, I, I sort of think of like chess, you know, where it's like, oh, this one uh, can move, you know, this one moves this way. This one can only move, you know, one uh yeah. you know i mean but they all but they all they all get captured in one move i would i would go with the chess analogy but i would say and those of those in the audience who have played this are going to be like yes and others will be like what the heck is he talking about my favorite way to play chess which is nightmare chess okay um nightmare chess is a card set from steve jackson games that basically changes the rules of chess because you're playing with cards while you're playing chess and it changes things like there's things called confabulation where um, if you like, say you want an extra queen, you move your rook until it runs into one of your bishops, play that card and they merge into a piece that can do both types of moves. So it's basically a queen. Um, and it's weird. It's, it's, it's an awesome, yeah, it does awesome sound game, odd, but, I, but it, I, I like but Steve it changes, products, it, changes so. it from being something that's just every piece kind of, kind of does its moves and that's it to having a little more complexity to it. Gotcha. That's what it feels like. But yeah, I immediately thought, ooh, if somebody likes Imperial Assault, this may be their type of thing. Because for mm -hmm. me, it's it because they're moving from space to space. It's not just moving a certain amount. So it doesn't feel quite like an X-Wing or an Armada kind of movement. It feels very much like the block-based movement that you get with Imperial Assault. So immediately that's what sprang. That and the old Wizards of the Coast miniatures game sprang to mind. Gotcha. All right. But yeah, don't worry. Nobody's gonna pull your arms out of your sockets if they lose. So well, you know. I mean, if they do allow you to play two player, then you can't promise that. But well, I don't know. That would have to be like online. No, I don't know how they would do that. But yes, yes, you would just have to have. It'd be like the old days where you had to have like, hey, I'm gonna play a game on the Game Boy back when the Game Boy was like <laughs> new and expensive. Right. I gotta play against somebody else who has a Game Boy in the exact same game, and oh, I'm just screwed. I'm never gonna play a two player game on Game Boy. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and you have to have that extension cable. Yes, and you have to have that extension cable. Right. All right, so the other one is strategic combat. And this is one that I didn't think I would like much because I'm not a big RTS player. Not really. Like, I've played every Halo game I've got from when I bought my Xbox One S. I've got uh, Halo Wars 1 and 2, but I've barely played either of them at all because it's just not my genre, really. And I suck at it because I never play it, never practice. I'm horrible. Um, so I wasn't quite sure what to make of this. I thought this would be my least favorite of the modes, and it turns out that it's actually pretty cool. Better than Hollow Chest for me. So your your little tracking beacon's on the ground, and it is setting up your battle area. And there's a d clear dividing line on the floor, basically, where it's projecting, of red and yellow. The red side is the enemy side, yellow is your side. You can deploy to your side, not to their side, and vice versa. So... Basically, you've got this, like, for instance, for Naboo, right? You have all these little miniature holographic Naboo buildings that show up in your surroundings. Again, either lined up with the floor if you're standing just right or kind of floating if you're not. And little clones come out to do battle or little troopers come out to do battle against little battle droids or stormtroopers and whatever. Um, and the two sides are coming at each other, and there's different scenarios. It's not just beat the other side. So, for instance, one scenario might be um, there are four Naboo starfighters over here. You need to protect four astromechs to get over there to get into the droid sockets of the N the N1 starfighters and launch them safely before the enemy can destroy the starfighters. 
kind of thing, just scenarios. And the troops will actually come out on their own, the regular troops will, to battle the enemies. You can look at an enemy with a targeting reticle, press the activation button on the lightsaber, and it'll focus in the attack on that enemy, so you can target a specific one. Um, and then as you play, there's a constant refresh kind of thing that's going on. And when you hold up your lightsaber into your field of view, a little menu appears above the end of it. And as you move the lightsaber left and right, you're moving left and right on this menu. And once they are refreshed, you'll see a unit show up. Like it may be a leader trooper with a flag that, that adds a bonus to your troops. Maybe it's an N1 starfighter that you can fire from above or it's a missile turret or something. And once it's refreshed and shows up, you can click it and then use your lightsaber to as a pointer to figure out where to put it on the battlefield and deploy it. And then it goes into a refresh just for that one item. And when it's refreshed, you can do it again. Um, uh, like for Naboo, you can send out young Obi-Wan Kenobi to fight. Um, he's one of the units that you can send. And in this case, as you beat different scenarios, it adds different um, units that you can then add to your arsenal. So like the first thing, when you beat it, you got missile turrets that now you can use. You beat the second scenario, now you can use an N1 starfighter and so on. Um, but it's all these RTS-type scenarios that you're looking at, and it's basically turning your floor into the battlefield. And uh, most of it's taking place right in front of you, but you are having to sort of turn to see things. I would say, think of it as like a half circle where the diameter is your body going out to your left and right side, and the entire half circle in front of you could be the battlefield. So you may have something happening 90 degrees to your right or left that you need to see. There, I've seen scenarios where the buildings and stuff still go even further behind you than that. Like if you're looking at 12 o'clock, that it's like got buildings at 5 o'clock or 7 o'clock. But I've never seen actual action taking place there. It's more of a setting and atmosphere kind of thing. Um, but it's actually pretty cool and fairly straightforward. Like it's not a lot of, here, control this unit, make this unit do this and this unit do this. It's very much sort of a... Pick what unit you want to use. Almost more of a tower defense, almost to some degree. Pick what unit you want to use. Set them up where you want them, and they will do their own thing. And all you really need to do beyond that is pick what to target and handle. You know things like deploying astromechs to go. What I did like was, I mean, there is a strategy involved in it. Like they had a. There's one scenario where the little tanks from Episode One are heading towards your starfighters, and you got to protect them on the ground. And I focused all my troops on destroying one of those tanks, and there were two or three of them coming at me at once. And my troops barely put a dent in it, and I got completely just wiped out that first time. <laughs> I finally managed to defeat it because I focused not on destroying the enemy and instead focused on the objective right. and managed to get the objective before they got close enough to kill anything, uh, or at least to kill everything. And it gave me the N1 Starfighter as a reward, as a new unit that I could use. So then I went back to that scenario, and the N1 Starfighter is awesome, uh, which I'm assuming any Starfighter would be. Because in that case, what happens is, because it's not a unit that's on the ground, you activate it, and it basically floats this Starfighter in front of your view with a crosshairs that's linked up to your targeting reticle that's always in the center of your view. And basically, it's just firing away, and all you got to do is look at the enemy and it'll blast that enemy, and it makes short work of those tanks. So you really do have to kind of know, where am I going to need to put a missile in emplacement? Where am I going to need to put a leader to back up just troops on foot? 
there is a strategy involved in it, but it's not it's not so intensive that it's inaccessible. I think almost anybody would be able to jump into it and after trying the first few scenarios would be able to have fun playing it without feeling like there's just too much going on, which is I, I find that high praise because I find that type of game way too much stuff to manage, which is always what has turned me off to it. But it didn't this time. All right. So, uh, I mean, is that pretty much everything we have? Or, or yeah, at least I mean, that's on pretty the... much it. You got the three modes. You got yeah. your progression. You're unlocking different creatures in one, force powers in one, units in the other. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the experience that you're going to get out of it. Whether or not you're going to feel like you're getting $200 worth of experience out of it really just depends on how much you like the different modes. But I think that... If you take into account how well-crafted that lightsaber controller is and the fact that you're getting the Mirage headset that, in theory, is supposed to be able to, in future, be able to be used with other games, too, I can sort of see the price point coming here. But if you're someone like me who's going to wind up getting another phone in part because of it, you know, the price just goes through the roof. Um, so I really would suggest figure out if you've got the the phone technology to be able to handle it first and Go from there. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you're going to get these unexpected costs that just pile on. Like if I hadn't been at exactly the right time to have that extra pay coming in, I would have been banging my head against the desk like, why, why, why did I buy this? Right. And instead, I can play it. Right. But not on my old phone. Um, that would have been a mess. So um, outside of that, I, I don't know what else you may have uh... – on here to mention, but I did want to at least quickly uh, bring up in our tabletop news. There, uh, they have announced the uh, let's see, is it uh, Wave Twelve? I believe for X-wing. Did you see this? Ooh, I think I saw it and didn't pay much attention to it because I was so focused on trying to make sure I had my pre-orders in for <laughs> Legion. <laughs> right. So I'm going broke. So the um, the first thing is they have the Phantom Two expansion. Wait, those have been announced for a while. I've had the pre-orders in for that for ages. Really? Yeah, they're only just now showing previews of them. Okay, so there's the previews. I could have swore that uh, this was the first I saw of the gunboat. But then again, uh, I mean, now... You're, you're not saying paying this... attention, are you? So, now, well, let me make sure these are the ones that you're talking about. Phantom 2. Uh-huh. Camoglia. Yeah. Alpha Starwing. Right. Then they added, for Episode 8, the Resistance Bomber and the TIE Silencer. Um, so that part, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on that, but I, I want to now when you say a while, do you mean like how, how long ago? Cause I didn't think that we'd talked about this on the show yet. I don't know if we talked about it on the show right. or not. See, I was, because we're just bad, bad hosts, but, uh, let me see while, while you, while you give some thoughts on it, I can figure out when my pre-orders went in, but they went in as soon as the pre-orders were available. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I know it's been. A little while but it's um i didn't think that it, it had, had been like months and you know we just i don't know either just didn't mention it or whatever and this is just old old news but i could be wrong that's <laughs> that has certainly happened before um what i'm seeing here is uh august 21st um on the page so that's not that long ago I'm still looking. I let's see. Yes, I put in my pre-order for the first three of those on August 28th, 
-hmm. and then I put in my pre-order for the silencer and uh, resistance bomber. Let's see. I want to say that was, as I'm clicking on my email, on September 27th. So, yeah, so... August and September is when they announced these five. Um, and that's also when they announced, if I remember correctly, they announced the uh, Profundity and Chimera for Armada, too. Wait, Armada's still a thing? Nah, I'm just kidding. So, um... <laughs> well, and, and now they've got Legion. I, I, I'm i sorry. I, I want to make an aside here. We're, we're, we're going to have a chance to talk about this in depth on a future episode, I'm sure, once Battlefront 2 kind of is our next big episode and we get a chance to kind of calm down and the stuff comes in. But there's a lot of concern, it sounds like, that Legion is going to be to Imperial Assault what Armada was to X-Wing, which is, hey, let's put out another game that's similar in concept but plays differently, and there's going to be a market for one and barely a market for the other. Are you feeling that kind of thing yet with Legion, or is it too early to tell? I think it's too early to tell, but I could totally see that happening. My question becomes, which one gets... Uh... Which one gets phased out? Whichever one we haven't dumped a ton of money into already. So probably well, Imperial I mean, Assault. not... <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess that isn't necessarily the case for X-Wing. That wasn't the only reason why X-Wing is dominant over Armada. Yeah. But... Because I, I mean, yeah, I mean, my thinking is that um, that if this one play, Because there are some... Like, I like Imperial Assault, but it does have its issues. And if... Um, mainly being that and i can't remember the actual game it's basically a clone of a, a previous uh, fantasy flight game so potentially this game being its own thing uh and spe specifically designed for star wars that i could i could see it becoming the the one that people would prefer but i don't know we'll, we'll have and to the see. miniatures are painted for legion aren't they Oh, are they pre-painted? Whereas they're not pre-painted for so what I was but they're seeing... freaking expensive as hell for Legion, though, too. Yeah, and see what I was seeing looked assault, like they were so... hand-painted. So I, I just assumed that was like, yeah, this is what it'll look like when you're done. But honestly, I haven't looked into that too much. And for the record, anytime they ever show a miniatures game miniature and it's unpainted in the package, and they say this is what it'll look like when you're done, when I'm done, it won't look anything. <laughs> When I'm done, it'll look like a child just dipped something in paint. That's yeah. what it'll look like. <laughs> well, it'll I mean, have a face that, that somehow every one of my characters became a clown. Hey, all I can say is uh, just play Empire and you, you're not doing too bad because it's like, all right, Darth Vader. Black. He's black. Yeah, there Storm we go. Stormtrooper, white. Yep. Royal Guard, red. Not, not Afra, too hard. Asian. Wait. Whoa. <laughs> oh, sorry. We weren't. You weren't making. We weren't making a racial joke there. You were just saying color. Yeah, it's um. Although I, it, sorry for those who are listening to this and are listening to the newest episode of Beyond the Films around the same time. That was meant to be a, a play on the fact that in the Han, in the Darth Vader comic series, they could never figure out what Afra looked like. Like she's supposed to be a character that, uh, that looks like someone of Asian descent in the real world, but they could never quite figure out what she looks like. So it took like five arcs before they got a consistent look for her. So my bad. I, I'm venting on Marvel <laughs> on the wrong show. So anyhow, uh, yeah, that, but on this, like we talked about, there's the Phantom 2, which is cool because uh, I've got to imagine that this is going to allow a, uh, not just, oh, hey, this is a new ship, but a new setup on the Ghost, which would be cool. Um, the I wonder, there's a part of me that wonders if we're going to get one of those things kind of like we did with... um. 
the the bomber recently was it the Skurg bomber where we had the two different versions of Nim where you could play him as the good guy or the bad guy mm-hmm. because the Phantom Two shuttle is just a Sithipede shuttle from the um, the Confederacy and the Clone Wars era. Right. right. I mean, it's just that ship repurposed. So how cool would it be if we got the ability to use that for the Rebels because of the Phantom 2, but also got to play it with the Imperials because of, you know, oh, it's it's technology left from the Confederacy that the Empire now has access to or something. I mean, that'd be it's a perfect opportunity for that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not seeing that as an option currently, but that may be something down the line. Uh, Time for an expansion do. pack with new repaints, baby. Hey, I love those things. Um, yeah, so do I. I love when they do it. <laughs> I'm like, sweet. I get even more play out of this. Um, it's it's not like the it's not like Hasbro. That's like, hey, look, we got an exclusive, and we just you know painted it red instead of black. <laughs> um, now the other one, Camogula. Uh, is that am I pronouncing that right? I know it's from uh, Star Wars Galaxies, is where this Kimoglia from. or something like that. That's how I've said it, but I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced before. I think this is a beautifully atrocious ship. Um, what exactly is beautifully atrocious? As in this is thing that is, like watching watching a train wreck and going, "Wow, the physics was so awesome." It's just there's something about it that it is just so fugly that it just wraps back around to being kind of a sexy looking ship Wait, for our younger audience members who already <laughs> have to ask about one of the things you said what exactly does fugly mean what distinguishes fugly from ugly michael um it is like um if you were like to grade a paper then you if you received an f that would be bad so it's like that but ugly Right. Although, wouldn't it be great if that's where they need to go? And eventually, if they run out of starfighters, they could start introducing the uglies like you had in the X-Wing books, except ones that are really screwed up. Like it's the wings of a U-Wing plus the cockpit of an X-Wing plus like the engines of a YT-1300. They could call it a fugly instead <laughs> of an ugly because it's just that messed up. I don't know if uh, Disney's going to allow that, but they could call it the Millennium Fugly. <laughs> But I, anyhow, yeah, I actually love the design of this ship. It's not anything I have any real experience with because I didn't play Galaxies, which, I mean, was uh, it looked like a, a brilliant game. And, and I know people who, to this day, are just like, I miss this game. Um, so it's, It looks like one of those ships that, I don't know, it's one of the ones that, on first glance, I have trouble recognizing what's the front and what's the back, kind of like with the IG-2000. Yeah. I think that's just me. But mm-hmm. it's a very oddly designed kind of – it's just it's just odd. I don't know how to des- how better to describe it. I guess because the wings are flush with the top of the ship mm-hmm. instead of being center line in the height of the ship. And it just makes the whole thing look a little odd. It's almost like it's, a, it's carrying its cockpit sort of hung low the way that you would see on the bottom of a blimp or something. It's just a weird-looking – Starfighter. Um, it is, but it'll be so, fun though because it's scum and villainy, and scum and villainy right. always needs more cool ships because they got such a late start in the game compared to Imperial and Rebel. And now it says that uh, you know, Chris, you, you got to keep in mind this was from uh, being from galaxies and stuff, and and when things were a little looser or whatever. Um, it says it was from Mandel Motors, which is doesn't really seem fitting to me. But if I were going to describe what it looked like it looks almost like a um um the, was it cis the 
you know, like the actual, um, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm having uh, the, the Federation. Um, why am I having a, a problem trying to, um, say what about them? No, I, I'm just trying to say the actual, um, the name of that, uh, that, uh, group that, uh, the Confederacy of Independent Systems, there the Separatist Alliance. Yeah, yeah, there we because go. Because Lucas yeah. couldn't Separatist decide is... on a freaking name. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that's kind of uh, indicative of. Then um, against the Alliance though. of Free Planets, uh, or the Alliance to Restore the Republic, and it's the Rebel Alliance. So you yeah. know, it's okay. So I. And it... the Empire is also known as the Empire. Wait. <laughs> so anyhow, um, back to what I was saying. It looks like that. So it looks like a, a separatist ship, um, but also it looks kind of uh, Geonosian, like you know some of those Geonosian ships. So it, it's it's almost like a cross between those two. I think. Is that? Do you see where I'm coming from with that? Or I can sort of see that a little bit. I'm not sure that my immediate thought would be Geonosian, but that may be just because the color scheme. Doesn't really feel Geonosian. Well, I'm talking more about like the cockpit placement. Um, it looks like it was made by bugs. Yeah. So I mean, because y- y- if you think of like those Geonosian starfighters, where it has like the uh, almost like a, a shell or, or a seed or whatever that's like split in half with like a little uh, water droplet type cockpit there in the middle. This yeah, I can see that. It does look like it has, has a similar... kind of a water droplet shaped cockpit. I'll give you that. Yeah, so it's it's sort of similar in that, and then the wings look very much like those um, those big um, uh, ships that they were dropping the the droids off. You know, the um, those big like carrier ships mm-hmm. that all the tanks would come out of. Uh, looks yeah. a lot like that. So I, I love it. I, I know we spent a lot of time sitting here talking about the the design of this, and people are like, "Well, I could." google it instead of you know like i i've actually gleaned nothing from your descriptions sorry awesome i realize this is now, a, an audio, audio speaking movie. of mm-hmm. speaking of descriptions though the other one that was announced at the same time as those two i think looks like a lambda shuttle had a, a love affair with an x-wing and they had a, a little shuttle baby which is exactly which had, what it's supposed to be this is the, the alpha class star wing from the x-wing uh PC game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is the uh, the gunboat that people love. So anyone, like, even if you are like, oh, you know what, the the tabletop stuff, I'm kind of meh on or whatever, um, but I love all the uh, the video games and stuff. This right here, it, you know, they've actually made the gunboat. So uh, as a lot of people have done in the past, this is a great way to have that model, you know, very like a, a awesome model very affordably so it's like 15 bucks for this expansion pack and you can have yourself a little gunboat model very true very true and then the other two that they announced um there's one that i'm not excited for the other one i am mm-hmm. but i think it's because of the same oh that looks so cool kind of reaction that we got to like the sith infiltrator with episode one right uh because we've got the Resistance Bomber, and that one doesn't have me all that interested, but I, I think I need to see that one in action in Episode 8 before I really I'm, I'm right there get, with you. Get into yeah. it, because it's, it's just kind of odd-looking. Um, but that TIE Silencer that's basically a cross between... Um, it's not a cross pil- between anything. It's a flattened uh, TIE Interceptor. It's a, like, it's a, like a TIE Interceptor, but it's given the aesthetic feel of the... Uh, um, the whatchamacallit, the ship that Kylo Ren had back in Force Awakens. It's like you take the color scheme from that. Oh, okay. 
and drop it onto a tie interceptor and just barely tweak it and you've got Kylo Ren's tie, a.k.a. the tie silencer expansion. I don't know. To me, it looks like one of those AT-ATs or the Gorilla Walkers accidentally Gorilla Walked right on top of a uh, tie interceptor and they're just like, do you think anyone will notice? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Kind of like the... uh, uh, the different wing design, like the rounded wing design for the uh, the Inquisitor's TIE Advanced V1 versus Vader's TIE Advanced X1. You know that somebody just screwed up on the production line. They were like, you think anybody will realize they're different? It's okay. Just give it to the yeah. other guy. Yeah. And they just got the um, it's that same guy who's just like, I kind of like it. I feel like that he's always there for these types of mess ups. Yeah, so I, I mean, they look cool, and I'm excited also for with Armada for the profundity and the uh, the Chimera, because Armada just feels like it is so much the neglected child of Fantasy Flight when it comes to different ships being offered in options. It just, like, you get a wave of X-Wing, and it's like, here's four ships, or maybe three, and sometimes five. And then Armada's like, here's two, and they kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I just, I wish... And I think it's it's probably because they just don't have as much source material for capital ships to pull from as starfighter sized right. ships. But man, I just wish Armada had that that oomph. Right. To and it. especially so, when it's now, like we're doing you know an Imperial ship. For. Sorry, I didn't hear you. I said uh, and especially when it's like, Oh, we're doing an Imperial ship, let me guess. Kinda looks like a wedge. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> you know. Um I'll tell you what I want to see though now. Because mm-hmm. now we're gonna have like another game and stuff. So I already wanted to see a scenario, and people were creating these uh, just for their own use, where you have like a huge armada battle that then zips down into an X-wing battle for closer area, and then a scenario built off that, like maybe with a, like a crash ship or something that then gets played using armada. Now I want to see like Legion come into this as well, and you know, let's just really, you know, let's find a way to tie these as fans. Let's find cool ways to tie these games together for those of us who are playing or collecting all of them. To be able to actually integrate them so it feels like it's one <laughs> thing. Because it been doesn't saying really that feel forever. Like that. Well, I just I, I've seen fans doing that. I've seen a couple instances, and this one guy did a really cool one where it was basically just done through a PowerPoint. Because you know, in PowerPoint, you can set it up so that different buttons on the bottom of a PowerPoint slide go to different other slides, like choose your own adventure almost. They did that as a scenario builder for a um, for that kind of scenario. But one thing I will say about Fantasy Flight, for better or worse. They feel as though each game has its own unique mechanics that are very central to not just how the game plays, but how the game feels. And that feeling is what gives it that Star Wars kick because it really does seem like it captures certain cinematic aspects of the films. But their games are very different, so learning one doesn't necessarily prepare you for any of the others. Uh, I guess X-Wing and Armada are probably the closest of them. Whereas on the flip side of that, you go back to West or uh, Wizards of the Coast, Wizards of the Coast game mechanics for their miniatures game and their card game and their RPG always felt like they were created in parallel um, so that they could be easily understood and you could jump from one game to another. Um, I'm not sure if that's a, a pro or a con for Fantasy Flight. Probably a, a, probably a positive thing. But that is something that stands out to me, and I'm just wondering how Legion is going to play compared to, say, Imperial Assault. Like, is it going to be a whole new thing to play? Because, you know, playing Rebellion feels like you're playing something completely different than any of the other Star Wars games, and now Rebellion's getting expansions, too. So, I don't know. I just... 
It's a lot. It's all good stuff, but by God, it's a lot. <laughs> right. Unless you're playing the RPG, in which case they're not going to announce much of anything again because, yeah, there's like two things. Ghosts of Dathomir finally came out. There's two things on pre-order, one that still can't be pre-ordered anywhere, and then nothing else announced. So we're going to have another episode griping about the RPG not having anything soon. You mark my words. Well, probably not too soon because I imagine our next at least episode or two is going to be uh, – basically just battlefront battlefront yeah well, well i figure you know uh, given the fact that we've already done the griping about it i'm sure that for and for even if it's a year or two from now it'd still be too soon for <laughs> too soon for most of our listeners it's just like oh god here they go again. <laughs> oh, yeah no. we get it guys whatever <laughs> it's the death then, star dlc all over time. if we if, anytime we want fantasy flight to announce new rpg products all we got to do is make sure we gripe on the show about how they don't have any announced and they'll have them out you they'll have them announced usually before that episode is even edited. So right. kudos right. to Fantasy Flight. Um, so anything, I mean, anything else we want to toss in from a a current gaming standpoint? Because we are going to be so, like you were saying, we're going to be so focused on Battlefront Two the next episode or two or three or however many that I don't want a lot of stuff to get get you know fallen by the wayside here. But it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of new news, is there? Um, well, I mean, a lot of it may just be of what we're focusing on right now, but yeah, I haven't seen anything, but I also haven't been looking very hard, uh, as far as, you know, any tabletop stuff. Now I, I do know that, uh, I don't think we've mentioned this yet that they did announce that there would be some, um, free DLC that would be, um, as far like a part of the actual main story mode that would be coming out. Whoa, for Battlefront 2? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yep. Now, that goes back to what we talked about last time with the whole games as a service, because one of the things that I said was a bad thing was some of those early Assassin's Creed games where there was DLC that was integral to the story that you had to pay extra for. But um, with even, even though this is DLC, if it's going to be free DLC, then... I wonder if that complaint could still hold. Well, I guess we'll have to see how it actually fits in. Like, is it more like an epilogue kind of thing, or is it an important part of the... Right. Is it is it know, a situation of, story? hey, we didn't actually finish the game in time, so here's the rest of your game, but we didn't charge yeah. you for it? Or is it a situation of, guess what, guys? We really want you to like us. We understand. We screwed up last time. So here here's some extra. Here's a bonus. I, I don't know exactly. Um, we can talk about that. There was, like, subtext in what you just said, because somewhere in there, even though you didn't say it, I heard your brain screaming, Death Star DLC, <laughs> Death Star DLC, Death Star DLC. I'm certain I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Now, one thing I guess we do need to figure out, uh, and we'll have to, I'll just try it out when the game finally arrives uh, on Tuesday, is, and we're talking about DLC, if somebody is playing without an internet connection... Can they play? Can they still play the single player mode of Battlefront? Because most of Battlefront requires you signing in with an EA account. That's a really good question that I've never thought about because I don't know anybody. I mean, most who people game on on consoles <laughs> that are always connected anyway. Right. But that is still for some, especially in some parts of the country, let alone some parts of the world, a stable, constant internet connection is not a given necessarily. So you might have a high-end console like a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One X, but you may not be able to constantly be online. So a game that either is going to check online just to let you play at all is going to be a substantially different proposition than something that's going to let you do let you play single player 
all day long without an internet connection and only connect whenever you're trying to do multiplayer. Um, so I think of something like, um, like I can't access half of my modes in uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War without being connected to the internet. Mm-hmm. And it's a freaking single player game for the most part. You know? So yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to find out. I don't know that it's going to be a big issue for a lot of people within the U.S., but surely that is something that it would help to, to know. Um, Jedi Challenges does not require an internet connection except to download the, uh, the uh, app. By the way. Oh, well, there you go. So if you if you uh, can't do it, then just play Jedi Challenges instead. Done and done. Exactly. <laughs> so if you can't if you can't play that sixty dollar game, go buy that two hundred dollar game. Yeah. And maybe a new phone. <laughs> right. Wait, what? <laughs> So, I mean, I think that's going to pretty much take us out um, just with a couple of mentions. You know, uh, we can always be found over on uh, StarWarsReport.com. If you want to reach us, talk to us, let us know we missed something, didn't have any details here, just want to give your opinion, or just say, hey, you dudes are my heroes, because I know a lot of people want to do that, but they just don't know the way to reach out to us. Uh, you can always just reach out at uh, cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Uh, of course, we also have the face- Facebook page and Twitter, which, you know, we're just uh, Cloud City Casino on there. Um, and then, of course, we're also on TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, the Google Play Store. We're under the uh, Star Wars Podcast app. Um, there was another one I, f- I just found out the other day we were on, um, and now I can't remember what it is, but I mean, we're, we're on pretty much every platform. Uh, and then of course we're on iTunes and, um, you know, go ahead and subscribe if you aren't already and leave us a review since it's much easier now, uh, to leave reviews. We've been getting them, although I, I think it's because, um, it's, you know, everyone would like to receive a free link to, uh, purchase, Nate's book. Here we go. Did you put the link inside the show notes last time on the website or not? Totally forgot. <sighs> <laughs> I only said it like five or six times while we were doing the episode well, let alone. Right. That. But, but that's okay. If that's you would have said it that's five fine. or six times while I was editing and posting the episode, then it might have gotten done. I say this, folks, on the day that he showed up to record this episode like 40 minutes late because he lost track of time. I'm, I'm a very right. busy man. You're going to show up next time, and it's going to be me in charge. Lando's going to give me the cape. I'm going to have a cape and a red arm, and you're just going to be sitting with a Lobot headset. That's fine. So, anyhow, uh, you can go ahead and leave us a, a review over there, preferably five stars, just like uh, Mitchell Godfrey did for us this time. Woo-hoo! Yeah, and he says, uh, Comprehensive Star Wars. is from tabletop to console video games. Michael and Nathan cover it all. I've never played any tabletop games, but uh, find their coverage very intriguing and want to get into it. I think they had a very fair analysis of Battlefront and look forward to the coverage of Battlefront 2 from EA. Keep up the great work and a little less on the Death Star DLC rants. No, he didn't say that last part. That was all. I added that in there. Yeah, because, yeah, the only people I think that realize how much you ranted about that are the listeners that hear me saying that you <laughs> ranted about it too much, or probably you and me, because, yeah, for most people, I'm like, that was so long ago, I don't even realize it. What was he griping about? Perfect reason to go back and listen to old episodes you may not have heard of Cloud City Casino. Yeah, but not too far back. Yeah, not too far back because then it's Bruce and Michael, and it's not nearly as good as when I'm here. Oh, I okay, just great. Now Bruce is going to be gunning <laughs> for me. 
Oh, I just saw him last night, actually. Happy birthday, so, Bruce, by the way. Yeah. Yes. So, so I guess the other places that you can find stuff, um, my Patreon launched back in October, so it's a little under a month old. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash Nathan P. Butler if you're interested in that. Um, we've done our first Q&A, uh, exclusive Q&A for the top tier patrons. And I've already put out, I think it's uh, four audio commentaries now for uh, three episodes and the Clone Wars movie. And then this month there's going to be another one released for a Clone Wars episode and a special extra commentary for volume one of Forces of Destiny, which I don't hate nearly as much now as I used to. Um, well, just because you've seen them all, like, well, because I've read, I've read. There was one tie-in book that actually gave a rationale for why it's these stories that basically mean nothing, instead of something else. And when you put it in that context, the series makes a lot more sense as something other than just marketing. But you don't get that out of any of the stuff you actually see on screen. Oh. Um, so there's that. Uh, my book, A Saga on Home Video, can be found on Amazon. And uh, the YouTube channel, if you want to check out stuff like the unboxing and stuff for Jedi Challenges or some of the gameplay, uh, youtube.com slash chronoradio, or just search Nathan Butler and Jedi Challenges. Um, there's other places to find me, but that's enough for now. Those are the, the ones that actually fit our purpose here, I think. Somewhat, Excellent. Kind of. And then, of course, if you just want to reach me, uh, my telephone number is... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you can always uh, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Morris Isley. And I get all kinds of calls on my cell phone for people that just want to reach me, and they're always telling me, like, <laughs> we're calling about your student loans. Oh, really? I don't have any. Or, we're calling about your credit card. Yeah. No. Well, no, my favorite I, is... Telemarketers really want to reach out to me, but I don't think anybody else does. My, my favorite one is this one, and I've been getting it a lot lately. Um, hi, we're just calling to let you know that your warranty on your car is about to expire. Which car? Both of them! Both cars that I, um, I bought at two separate times, so the warranty would, you know, definitely be expiring at two different times. Beep. Yeah, I like that. No, I, do like, I do like my work phone, though. My work phone is what I use to talk to students as necessary and colleagues as necessary, but uh, every once in a while... Um, I'll get a random call from this old man in North Carolina who thinks it's his daughter's phone and has yet to figure out that it's my voice instead of his daughter's on the actual message before you leave a message. He actually sung me happy birthday once on her birthday. Nice. <laughs> I bet that made you yes. feel special. Yeah. Makes buying a new phone all that worthwhile, right? But yes, yes, again, we get to the end of the episode and we are wandering far afield as the customers are looking at us strangely and walking out of the casino like, what the heck are they doing? Yeah. All right, man. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. So uh, join us next time and never forget. Let the Wookiee win.
particularly if you're playing holo chess on Jedi challenges. See? See how that worked? Yeah, because, of course, you know that, like, your vision's going to be really obscured. So if he's coming at you to tear your arms off, it's going to be a lot harder to run. I actually think a Wookiee-sized phone wouldn't even fit in the thing anyway. And he'll probably be so tall that the tracking beacon won't track. So I could kick his butt because he won't be able to even see the board. But, you know, whatever. No, I meant like a real Wookiee while you're playing the game. And then you can't see him, like, outside of the game. Because you're wearing the but goggles. But you can because it's AR, so I'd still be able to see him. Yeah, but you got junk in your way. Are you saying that he'd be standing with his crotch in my face? All right, that's uh, <laughs> that's the end of this outro. <laughs> Mommy, what's John? Nah, nobody listens to this. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that falls under the category of what the frick was that? All right. This party's over.